Well, good morning. If I've not had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Neil. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Downtown Church. And I'll tell you, is it not just good to be back in the Lord's house? Uh, I, a couple weeks ago, we had um, a hurricane. Shocker. You know, we live in Mobile, so it's like... Uh, Jimmy Buffett said one time, trying to reason with hurricane season, we can't do it. Um, but then last week we were out of town. We, we had uh, my father-in-law's uh, memorial service uh, last weekend up in Athens, Alabama. And um, so we were out of town, but it's just good to be back. Uh, today we're going to be talking, uh, if you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and turn to Romans 15. Uh, we're going to be looking in verses 5 through 7. Uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of Bible drill, a little bit around there, but it's going to be basically straight there in Romans. Um, I grew up in the upstate of South Carolina, and, and some of you may be thinking, uh, uh, South Carolina is like a postage stamp. How, how do you designate upstate? It's a thing. Anyway, just say uh, top left of South Carolina. It's where I grew up. And uh, there was a song that was popular when I was in high school. My dad loved it. And I think, I think the reason why he loved it, uh, I think one was because of the message. I think two was because the guy that sang it was from the next town over. So, you know, we had that common bond. Um, the guy's name was Aaron Tippin, and he sang a song called, You've Got to Stand for Something. And, uh, he would always, you know, it was, it was, he was reminding me of that, you know. And the lyrics were, you've got to stand for something or you fall for anything. And, you know, when you're in high school, that's a good reminder because, you know, make good choices, don't be an idiot. Those were kind of the common theme in my house. Um, and I think, honestly, as I'm evaluating, I was going through looking and, and prepping and planning and going through this week and the message and, and really... I think what's happened is we've gotten to the place as a society that we're standing for everything. Everything, big, small. Every hill is the hill I'm going to die on. <clears throat> this is what I believe. This is how I'm doing it. This is what we're going to say, and I'm going to post it on Facebook. with no understanding of what that says or what that communicates to the people that we may come in contact with that don't know the Jesus that we know. Two words that we're going to talk about today, essential and non-essential. So what I did... I went to my friend the thesaurus, and don't ask me how to spell that, but I said, hey, hey, what are some words that also mean essential? Here they are. Crucial, critical, my favorite, critical, not a real word, but I made it that way. Necessary, key, vital, indispensable. These are words that mean essential, needed, required, called for, important, all important, vitally important, of the utmost importance. You see where I'm going with this? Of great consequence, of the essence, 
life and death. Imperative, mandatory, compelling, urgent, pressing, burning. These things mean essential. And for the sake of our conversation today, some words that mean non-essential. Because you might think, well, Neil, just put non in front of all those words you just said, and then you got it. But no, there's other just one words. Unnecessary, inessential, unessential, needless, unneeded, not required, uncalled for, redundant, dispensable, expendable, peripheral, unimportant. feel like I already said that, but I didn't. Incidental, optional, extraneous. Those things mean non-essential. Last week, Pastor David introduced us to some of the, the one another's. You know, just in case you needed to know and are keeping score at home, uh, one another is a two-parter, two words that is found over 50 times in, just in the New Testament. 50. One another's in the New Testament. What it tells us is this. God really cares about how we treat each other. No matter what else you think the Christian faith is about, one huge thing is definitely about relationships. And isn't it funny where most people have problems in life? Relationships. Interpersonal relationships. And today we're going to focus on the command, accept one another. I cannot remember a time in my lifetime, it's not that long, but it's been a minute, in my lifetime where our nation has been more divided than it is right now. More divided. Now, I'm not as old as some of you in here, and I'm older than some of you in here, so uh, we'll keep score later. But think about this. We love to put labels on things. <laughs> here we go. Vax, no vax. Mask, no mask. And then here's the, here's the other one. Here's the one that's really kind of starting to get in, in, in the grits. Um, now we've gone to the place where we are bold enough to ask out loud what you believe in, what you land on, because we want to know we want to know what you believe and if it's right. or if it's not what I believe. Because if it's not what I believe, then it's wrong. And I looked at it and I'm thinking, you know, it's real easy for us to get to the place where we talk about divorce rates in the world and the divorce rates in the world are very similar to the divorce rates in the church. If there was a way to monitor acceptance rates I'd be willing to say that the acceptance rate of the world, how people are divisive and uh, in the world, runs and tracks very similar with how people
people are acceptance, acceptant of others right within the church. Do you know on the back of the dollar bill, you know those things that are green that people use for money that's not plastic? It says, E pluribus unum. Now, just for those of you that know, that's not English, but it stands for something. In diversity, unity. I see a lot of pluribus, not a lot of unum. Okay? A lot of pluribus, not a lot of unum. A lot of diversity, not a lot of unity. People who are following, or at least say they're following, the same God, the same Savior, sometimes it's like the Christian church is charged, uh, carved up into all these little uh, factions, all these little groups, subgroups, cliques. Something each of us need to see today is that God truly cares about this. And when we understand that, it radically changes how we look at people, how we treat people, people who are different from us. So let's look at today's passage, Romans 15, 5 through 7. If you don't have your copy of God's Word, it'll be on the screens up here. Here we go. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ, Christ Jesus that together you may be, uh, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Three things that we want to look at today um, from this passage. First is the basis for exclusion. We have a very bad habit of excluding one another, which, by the way, that's not one of the one another's we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be including, not excluding. That's free. Reading from the book of Romans, which is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And you think, well, Neil, why is he saying for them to include, welcome one another? Well, to know where you are, you got to know where you've been. So we got to look back in uh, verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 2. It says this, one person believes he uh, may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let me break it down for you. It's kind of like the whole, uh, this is how we got here. This is what we're doing. Um, there, were, there were Christians who were meat eaters. Um, and I, I've got to be careful how I say that. I don't want to say meat-eating Christians because that kind of sounds like carnivores. It's just the English language. Anyway, um, Christians that ate meat, Christians that ate only vegetables. There was also Christians that uh, observed uh, the Sabbath and then those that didn't. Christians uh, that observed all these Jewish holidays like Passover, Yom Kippur. Skip a few verses down. Look at uh, uh, verse number five, uh, the first part of verse number five. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Here's what he's talking about. Hey, we got problems. Some of y'all do one thing. Some of y'all do something else. Some of y'all believe one thing. Some of y'all believe something else. Some of y'all eat meat. And some of y'all just eat vegetables. 
That'd be a lot of green beans for this guy. So in the same church, you have people doing different things, believing different things. We won't read verse 21, but it implies there's some people in the church who drank wine and others who didn't. You see, here's the situation. Everybody had some different non-essentials. However, what they were doing, what the church in Rome was doing, and it was burning Paul up, is they were making their non-essentials essential. They were making the small things the big things. The old saying, making a mountain out of a molehill. Anybody heard that? This is what they were doing. And here's the biggest problem when that happens. This group thinks they're right. And this group is wrong, and this group thinks this, they're right, and this group is wrong. And then I started thinking, not just downtown church, but Christians as a whole, do we do this? Let me do a little self-inventory. Do we do this? I thought of a couple examples, so I split them into three categories. <laughs> And this is a game we're going to play. Things that separate, separate Christians but shouldn't. Are you ready? Here we go. First, theological issues. Here we go. The Roman church was divided up into all these different things. Um, and, and we just went through those. But how about us? You know, it's, it's real easy to look, you know, uh, those people down the street, they... Uh, they get a little wild in their worship. Sometimes they even speak in tongues, and who can translate that? And it gets a little crazy. And then you got guys running up and down the aisle. And did you see so-and-so raise their hands at church? And we start looking at all these things. And here's the problem. We're making the non-essential things essential. You know, the, it gets into that whole... Uh, some people believe that God created the world in six billion years. I believe that God uh, chose to create the world in six literal days. Those guys teach that Jesus is going to come back. Um, you know, there, there's that, and then, and then, and right when that happens, that's when heaven begins. Or such and such believes this, and this is the premillennial, postmillennial. Blah, blah 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 blah. Here's the thing: at the end of the day, and I'm going to tell you this, and this is all free. When you get to heaven. One question, and it's not going to be, how many Sundays did you attend downtown church in 2021? It's not going to be, um, well, uh, did you go to a life group as many times as you went to big church? Now, were you Baptist? Were you Southern Baptist? It's not like there's lines in, that you get up to in heaven and you go, oh, this is my check-in line. No, it's not like that. You get one question. What have you done with my son? That's it. So the choice today is if I'm going to be an ambassador and a representative of Jesus Christ, what am I doing with it? Am I keeping it to myself or am I walking through this world with a plan and a purpose that I don't want somebody else to die and go to hell because I didn't share Jesus with them? That's it. 
Churches building churches, doing all this, that, and the others. Churches split. Don't get me started on that. Based on preference. Based on who has the right views on theological issues. Second, how about cult- cultural issues? Anybody? We mentioned vaccines and masks earlier. People have strong opinions on both sides. Christians have a lot of feelings on both sides and feel, feel, again, don't get me started on trusting your feelings. They feel it's a deeply moral issue. Christians who are strongly in favor of refugees. Christians who are passionately opposed to the idea. On a less serious note, there are Christians that will let their kids dress up for Halloween and, and celebrate Halloween. And there's some that don't. At my house, it's let's go buy candy, turn the lights off on the front porch so I can eat it all. Hello? <laughs> I'm not spending money on If you want to make a Halloween costume, just go look in the closet and find something. Duct tape. Super glue. But Christians deeply divided on these cultural issues and we're very suspicious of people that choose a different way than we are we're kind of side eye but then there's lifestyle issues in the roman church there was a disagreement about drinking is it okay or not and we still talk about that today and it's real easy to say well look at so-and-so up up there on their high horse but let me tell you something growing up in the upstate of south carolina traveler's rest first baptist church We'd roll out of Sunday school, headed up to the official name, Big Church, right? Deacons, some choir members, they had their little smoking section. Outside, not inside. And I'd be like, hold on. These guys are... And I'd really start to kind of point my finger and kind of think about what, how, how... then I had the old, hey, Neil, when you point your finger at somebody else, how many of you have pointing back at you? More. And really it comes down to this. I started looking at it. Well, that's not very healthy. Well, let me explain something to you. You know what's not healthy? the drive through at McDonald's and a double quarter pounder and a large fry, <laughs> but I'm going to get a Diet Coke <laughs> and a side of uh, chicken nuggets and two for a dollar apple pies. I'm just saying, that's not healthy. Health is health. Unhealthy is unhealthy. And I'm not saying the Christian church is like this. I'm saying I can be like this, me. I can get to that place where it's real easy for me to point out somebody else's flaws, not realizing, hey, Neil, you're the idiot. Hey, Neil, you're the Israelite. Hey, Neil, you're the Pharisee. I can be judgmental, and guess what? God's working on me every day. Every day. Every day we have uh, look at people with a different view 
different issue. They might be suspicious or they might threaten. Or you might feel like they're superior or you're superior to them. That's what was happening in the Roman church. And before we move on to the next point, this self-inventory time, in your seat, am I like this? Here's the question to help with that self-inventory. How many close friends do I have who hold different views from me on gun control and immigration and evolution and alcohol? And if you're like most people, you'll say, not many. Because we tend to surround ourselves with people who agree with us. It's human nature. We base our identity based on certain issues and certain things. And then by definition, we exclude people who have different issues or have different uh, viewpoints, different sides. And through Paul, God calls us to something different. God's calling us to accept one another. So let's look at the balance. The balance for acceptance. We've talked about the church in Rome, meat eaters, vegetarians, Sabbath keepers, non-Sabbath keepers, drinkers, non-drinkers, in their, in their little groups. And everybody thought they were right and the other guys were wrong. And then in Romans 14, verse 10, it says this. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. It doesn't say, now your brother's going to stand, so you, mean, you need to make sure he's good, so you need to make sure you judge him and take care of him and make sure that he knows that he's right and wrong so that he can stand before the judgment seat of God. doesn't say that. We all. In other words, if that person that you think is so wrong, if they're really wrong, well, guess what? They get to stand before God and deal with their stuff. It's not your job at our house. Sometimes we refer to it as Holy Spirit Junior. You don't need to be Holy Spirit Junior. Not your job. Not my job. Stop dying on every hill about NFL protests, border wall, vax, no vax, mass, no mass. Guess what? Non-essential. Here's the thing. Have the humility to realize you might be wrong. Have the humility to understand that you might be wrong. And you're going to stand before God someday. So, so it's, this is a call to humility. A call to stop writing off people who take different views from issues uh, than us on issues. Allow them into our circle of trust. Open up our hearts a little more. Does this make sense? Stop being exclusive, tribal, balance, a balance between humility and conviction. A couple of things in Romans 14 and 15 that it doesn't say, because I'm all about, let's, let's talk about that, but then here's what not to do, okay? Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, uh, don't have an opinion on anything like this, on any of these issues. It doesn't say that. 
It doesn't say, thou shalt not have an opinion on eating meat or observing special days or drinking. It doesn't say, thou shalt not have a view on politics or cultural issues. It's fine to have an opinion. And if we need to think through issues like that, opinions are fine. But we're called to hold these views with a little more humility, a little more balance. What else it doesn't say? It doesn't say we should hold all of our views loosely. There's a difference. Please understand, if you've not come to this point in, 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 the, in, the, in the journey today, please understand there's a difference between essential things and non-essential things. All of these issues that we've talked about today, every single one of them non-essential. And they're issues on which good God-fearing, believing Christians can disagree. But there are some essentials, things that we should hold tightly to. You read the doctrinal statement of downtown church, you will see a handful of essential things the existence of God, the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the deity of Christ, his miracles, his death on the cross for our sin, his literal resurrection from the dead. These are the same things you find in the historic creeds of the Christian church, like the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed. These are things we should contend for and take our stand on. But in the passage we're looking about today, God calls us to accept one another. He's not talking about the essential things. He's talking about the non-essential things. In Romans 14, 17, I love the way Paul says it. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we're focusing on secondary issues like eating meat or drinking wine or politics, or details, or end-time events, if we make them the main point, we're missing the main point. I don't, I'm not going to let your view of Donald Trump, or Joe Biden, or whoever, separate me from fellowship with you. I have my opinion, but it's not the main issue. Bigger things are at stake. These presidents are here today and gone tomorrow, and Jesus Christ is here for eternity. So we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. A famous saying that originated in the Christian church back in the 1600s, still quoted today, here's what it says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Look at that middle part. Non-essential issues give people liberty or freedom to have a different view and still accept them. And let me explain something. It's not easy. To live like this, to accept people that aren't like me, it requires work. It takes balance. But I want you to think about this. The nicest people you've ever met What's the, one of the qualities that they have? They're accepting of everybody. Jesus, hello. 
like the nicest person ever, besides Cason. I'm, I'm, I'm not, sorry, I'm not comparing Cason to Jesus. Cason's just really nice, okay? <laughs> Let me clarify. Be super nice. Very accepting. And then you think, the rudest people you've ever met, the meanest people you've ever met, not very accepting. Romans 15.5 says this. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. I need endurance. I need encouragement. Each of us do. Because I don't have that. We don't have that in ourselves. It comes from God. So if I'm able to do this through my relationship with God, my dependence and faith in him, and if I really want to see how, remember, Jesus, Jesus is a perfect example of how to treat people with acceptance and love and kindness, all these essentials that we're talking about and looking past the non-essentials. And then down in verse 7, it says to accept one another. How? Easy. Just as Christ has accepted you. Jesus is the only one in history who actually had the correct view on every issue. Even on the non-essentials, Jesus had the wisest, best view on everything. He had it figured out. And yet he did not use it as a weapon to exclude people. He accepted all kinds of annoying people. <laughs> Me. You. Open hands. Open hands. And God says, start treating people the way you've been treated. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. So simple, but why is it important? Why it matters, the benefits of acceptance. Again, keep in mind, this is a family issue. The family of God, the body of Christ. I am to accept you, you accept me. When that begins to take place in the body of Christ, a great blessing results. Because when we accept one another, the purpose of God will be satisfied. What is the purpose of God, Neil? Look at 5 and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Together. Harmony. One voice. God's plan and purpose, as we draw closer together, accepting one another, we're to be light in a dark world. Remember what Jesus said? How are people going to know if you are my disciples? If you love one another. Not by the t-shirt you wear, not by the certificate you get, not by the Facebook post you have, not by the, how wonderfully worded your um, Instagram post is. None of that tells anybody that you're a Jesus follower. What tells people that you're a Jesus follower, that you love Jesus, and that you're a representative of him is how you love one another. That's the only way. When spiritually searching people see Christians bickering, over politics, if Vladimir Putin is the Antichrist, when they see Christ followers 
we call it at my house, we call it yang yang. Yang 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 yang. Bickering, arguing at each other's throats. Guess what they say? <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. They're no different than the world. They're no different than me. Why do I want to waste an hour or two or three or six on a Sunday? But when they see us handling our differences with humility and grace and focusing on what we have in common as Christ followers, that is powerful. It shows people there's something real going on here. So the challenge for each of us today this, before I make that Facebook post where I rant and rave about a political issue, as if it's the most important, essential issue in my life, stop, think, pause. How does that affect people that don't know the God I know? Is that really how I want to use my voice? Really? Bottom line is this, we can either point people to Jesus or turn them away. And I personally, I don't want to be a Jesus repellent. Y'all, God loves it when his kids get along. It glorifies him, brings him joy. That's why this matters so much. If we accept one another, we have not only satisfied the purpose of God, we've also glorified the person of God. I'm going to read 7 again. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The acceptance of one another proves that God is in the work and the lives of, of his people. It's that truth that will ring louder than anything we could ever say when we accept one another. The purpose of our unity as a church is not to please ourselves, but to please the Lord. Everything God does is to his glory, and thus everything we should do as his children should be to his glory. Accept one another as Christ accepts you. Hey, newsflash, the gospel came to you, came to me, on its way to somebody else. It's in the cul-de-sac, okay? We ain't locking it down. This is on its way to somebody else, and we are the vessel. God is calling us to be less like this. And more like this. Accept one another as Christ accepts you. Hold tightly to the essentials. Hold loosely and humbly to the non-essentials. Because when we do that, there's a welcoming attractiveness to this thing we call faith, to this thing we call a relationship with Jesus. And at the end of the day, God's glorified. So as the band comes up, every, knee, every head bowed, every eye closed, here's, here's what I want you to think about right now. I've said a couple times, self-inventory, self-me, what am, what, am what am I dealing with? What am I thinking about? Neil, and, and, and here's the thing. This is a get-in-your-grits message. It's a get-in-my-grits message. But let's ask ourselves, self-inventory, not the person beside you, not the person behind you, because, again, we're not to judge. 
That gets done. And we get to heaven. Ask yourself today, what what have I done with Jesus? How How have I shared him with the world around me? How have I been accepting? If the first answer is I haven't, And the second answer is, I haven't. There's no time, like right now, to start. Let today be the day. September the 12th, 2021, be the day that that we say, hey, God, I want to be a living sacrifice. Use me. God, don't let me be a dead end for the gospel. Let the gospel come through me. Let me be an ambassador of Jesus Christ and show the world around me just how much you love. not just the world around me that looks like me, talks like me, acts like me, walks like me, but the world around me that doesn't. God, today, Lord, our prayer, the prayer of your people is a prayer of confession. say this all the time Lord break my heart for what breaks yours break the hearts of your people open their eyes open their ears open their mouths to be mouthpieces for you Lord we love you we praise you we thank you and your son